you're wrong. Fuck you, we're right. You have all made it to the dance. Cause believe me, this is the dance. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal Grumble. I am your host, Graham, and sitting in the corner to my right, it's our ever-present Dan. How are you doing, Dan? All right, ever-present. You, you've been on... Oh, no, you haven't. Oh, I've sorry. Missed one. Uh, I've yeah. got the best record out of all of okay, us. Okay, but... the man with the best record. No, wait, have you only missed one? Uh, I've, I've missed at least one. Yeah. Daryl, well, Daryl's on the left as well. You've got, you two have got the... I know I've missed the most, so, you know. Yeah. Didn't miss this one, though, so... Take that. Yeah, so mm. we're not putting like a hastily compiled show together. Today. Don't know what you mean. No, don't know, no, no. Don't <laughs> Chaperone know what were good, weren't it? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. great film. I got some complaints about that. People are unhappy. Why? They hadn't seen it, <laughs> so they're like, it's... So, "It's a bit fucking late for spoilers." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think they were upset about that. They were just like, oh, "I didn't, I didn't follow what you say because I'm not seeing the film." And I was like, well, "I don't think you needed to." That's the whole point. point. Watch yeah. it and yeah. enjoy it. So, if anything, we're providing a service. Yeah, but it's all right. It's fine. It's okay, I'm not going to offend that. He, he, he don't watch Raw every week, but we talk about that, it. That is yeah. true. Speaking of Raw, uh, the go-home Raw for No Mercy was this week, so I think we should do the opening contest. Yes. Uh, no Mercy predictions. Yes. Because we're time... lazy as fuck. <laughs> yeah. We, our I was, opening contest I was really thinking gone of down putting, of late. It's weird where I start putting together the guess the woman by her Instagram comments thing, but then something happens that kind of makes me feel bad about it. And this week... <laughs> Like this week, it, it was uh, the stuff that happened on SmackDown that we're going to talk about in a bit. Yeah. But, uh, do you want to fill? Well, I just got the no yes. lineup. <laughs> so, Daryl, I mean, Phil, I mean, Daryl, how are you? I'm all right, mate. How are you? Good. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, what's been happening in your life, mate? Wh- um, I don't know. Depending on where, depending on what <laughs> happens between now and the time this comes out, either not a lot or everything, the most significant moment in my entire life. So, oh, yeah. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. I'm fertile. Remember that. <laughs> Getting them all in. So. Right. I will note down. The uh, things you oh, do have I the neatest handwriting. Can so. I just tell the listeners because I realise I've sniffed about forty times already. I have got a bit of a cold. Is that pen working, or do you want a better pen? Because it works. That's all right. Because like I'm, I'm flush with them now in my, in my current line of employ. Okay. Yes. He works at a pen factory. <laughs> <laughs> He's a big salesman. <laughs> Bick is my middle name. Do you it's supply not. the pens to Argos? Uh, no. Good, because that business has gone down. Because use pencils now. Yeah. Uh, well, I thought they used tablets. Didn't we have that discussion? Oh, no, but they, they still have the pencil system. Oh, really? Yeah. Still got the pencils. Yeah. IKEA have got pencils. Yeah, they do. Yeah, I hate IKEA. <laughs> do you? Yeah, I do. Why do you hate IKEA? <laughs> All right, okay. We're going completely <laughs> off topic, but I don't care. I'm, I'm going to go address this now. Um, I maintain it's completely possible to have a trip to IKEA without having an argument with your partner, uh, family or significant other, whoever you're with, right? You tested this theory out, but yep. deliberately behaved yourself. Yeah. So I think that's cheating in a way. Um, Dan, you agree with me? I'm like, I think I'm two for three. There you go. See, two for three. Like it, that's almost proof. We are getting an IKEA relatively close yeah, to it, us now. Right, it opens like 20th, the week. It opens the twenty eighth yeah, of September. So next weekend, are we sponsor the opening. What we should? I'm tempted to go just because it'll be IKEA, but really? ten times worse. Yeah, because <laughs> it'll I be so busy until after Christmas. <laughs> and I need shit so, from there. Yeah, I know. Like I was thinking avoiding it, but then there's a part of me that wants to just breathe in the chaos. Could we do like a? <laughs> Can we do? Can we do? Can we do like a live a live podcast from outside IKEA? Just, just, just 
the Royal Grumble live. From <laughs> the ambient noise of murder. We'll just get a table. You know, like, <laughs> buy a table in there. Oh, we can buy it all there. There, you don't, don't need to take out. I think if we went to the opening of IKEA and had a table, we'd like by default have more listeners than we've ever had for this podcast. I think, yeah, just by shouting out, we could get megaphones. I've got a megaphone. Can we get megaphones? So, can we get, he's got it's, a megaphone. He's, right, he's, he's got a you megaphone. There. Why have, you got, why have you got a megaphone? Do you need a public license for a megaphone? Uh, well, I, I had my original one that's bro- broke now. I had it for my band, and then that one was to replace Should it. Not have a then... microphone. No, but um, <laughs> they didn't have a drummer. It was <laughs> a reference. The idea was to put it up against the mic stand, so it created a different effect for voice. Oh. Yeah, Damon Alvin does it on like yeah. um, we really like Mike Patton, yeah. like yeah. Tomahawk style. Can Mike we Patton. do the whole podcast where one of us uses the megaphone? No. no. No, because it's really loud. You've got I don't want to megaphone. I've never seen that Simpsons episode where he gets loads of them, shouts testing, and blows the place up. Yeah. That's that's science. David Lynch apparently at all times has his megaphone and talks through it while he's directing scenes, including love scenes on closed sets. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just got the image of him shouting. More penetration. <laughs> if you ever watch the film Wild at Heart, which has a sex scene between Nicolas Cage and Laura Dern, just imagine that David Lynch is sat behind them talking to him through a megaphone. It makes it even better. <laughs> More foreplay. So we talk about wrestling on our wrestling yeah, podcast. Yeah, go on. Whatever. I mean, yeah. <laughs> we, that, we filled time well there. Is that what people really come for? Yes, right. let's talk about wrestling. Let's do some The first match on the No Mercy card, according to this, is The Miz versus Jason Jordan, which was set up at the end of Raw this Fuck week. Fuck's sake. All right. Uh, it's just uh, I recorded loads of YouTube match simulations. Oh, uh, you forgot one, I, I did. Yeah. This one wasn't on the list when I did it. Oh. Fuck. Oh, there you go. So You should have uh, known it was happening as well. I knew it was happening before they announced it. Did you? Well, they've been building it, haven't they? Like, oh. yeah, well, I just thought it would be one of the things that they just build and build and build and never pay off. <laughs> Bearing that in mind then, Daryl, what's your prediction? Oh, Miz wins. Uh, I'm going to say Jason Jordan wins. I went with Miz too. Uh, probably right, hopefully. Well, uh, well, I actually think that Miz is leaving with the title. I don't know if he's going to win the match. But there you go. I've, uh, too yeah. late. I already said I know, Jason know, Jordan but wins. I'm just, I'm just pointing that out there. My official thing is Miz wins, but well, I just want to put it out there. I'm not a fucking idiot. Jason Jordan wins. I'm an, I'm an idiot. Uh, next up is the Women's Championship, a fatal five-way. Women's or women's? Women's. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's women. Alexa Bliss defends against Sasha Banks, Nia Jax, Emma, and Bailey. In the uh, gravy uh, bowl. Uh, the uh, gravy uh, bowl. <laughs> um, it's... Probably, Bailey, Bailey yeah. in it. Uh, yeah, feel good. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm gonna say Nia Jax because she's not like most girls, shifty eyes. Right, I'm going left, with right. another title retention. Oh uh, yeah, Bliss is gonna hold. Blame is Sasha Banks, or if it is, she's gonna lose it on Raw. So you know, yeah. that's Neville versus Enzo Amore. Neville next. Enzo, yeah. what? You think yeah. Enzo's gonna win? Yeah, I think Enzo's gonna win. Really? Yeah. But they all hate him. Yeah, that's more reason for him to win. <laughs> but he sells the merch. Does Even Roman Reigns win very often? It, did you see that, by it, the way? Uh, yeah, this week on 205 Live, they did a promo between the two and Neville got cheered and Enzo got booed viciously. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, that's the sort of people who've sat through two hours of SmackDown, including a racist comment and went, I've had some cruiserweights now and that's what I want to watch. It's so. the second best thing on 205 Live. And that, I'm talking, that's that's like about 20 people because that SmackDown was not full. And by not full, I mean, it was pretty much empty. Yeah, so 4,000 bil- people in 11,000 a building I yeah, think it was more to the point someone posted an excellent photo which I thought was funny it was a picture of, of Jinder from the back <laughs> Jinder addresses the impact zone it's just the camera <laughs> and no one there yeah <laughs> but alright uh, yeah Enzo wins yeah and I, I've got Neville yeah 
It's not Drew Gulak, so I don't care that much. Um, Next up... Who gives a fuck about Drew Gulak? Drew Gulak's mum. Drew Gulak is the most entertaining film to a five-five. He's not, though, is he? He is. I find it entertaining. What, the no-fly zone? Yeah. Right. Well, who does flips on there that's not called Neville? Grand Metalik. Yeah, but no, no, it's no, also no, no chance. And don't say who gives a fuck. It is the no fly zone already. So what yeah. is he? Is he a face? Uh, or is d- he a heel? That, uh, Araya Davari also did some flippy stuff. It's a bit. It's Mustafa a bit. Mustafa Ali does a flippy thingy. Yeah. Right. So so somebody Davari and Mustafa Ali are in the no fly zone. Grand Metalik. All right. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, There's some terrorist joke there. Some, Let's what? move on. <laughs> Are we really doing it? We've got more. You know what we've got to talk about later I don't. No, you you, don't, you told right. me before we went on air that there's a racist comment and I've not heard it. Well, <laughs> that's that why you're wearing your outfit? <laughs> uh, Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt in the battle of who could care less. Finn Balor, next. Yeah, yeah probably Balor. Finn Balor. Balor, Balor, Balor. Good. He wrestled Goldust this week, didn't he? <laughs> did Bray Wyatt. Yeah, he did, yeah. No, yeah. Dustin Rhodes. Was it Dustin Rhodes? Yeah. Why did he have Goldust jumpsuit on? Didn't wear his paint. Uh, why do you have Goldust's music and the entrance video that said Goldust? He should have come down as the natural Dustin Rhodes. Yeah, <laughs> not going to happen in WWE, is it? It should have been Ameri- WCW era American Nightmare, like WCW 2000 era Dustin. Yeah, I know that. Rate. I know that his brother's got that nickname too. That's a good idea, American Nightmare. Someone should got the use copyright it. on it. <laughs> have they? Well, it was in WCW and WWE. WWE on the. I hope they don't even realize. And someone partway through something goes, "Hold on." <gasps> You're telling me that people in WWE don't remember the legendary feud between Terry Funk and Dustin Rhodes? Yes. <laughs> My, Michael Hayes Dust- invited Cody Rhodes to a, to a show. Have you seen oh, that? Yeah, we, he did. We, yeah, we, yeah. We'll, we'll be getting to that right. later. I've yeah, not we'll, read the menu. We will address it, don't worry. <laughs> Next up Maybe. is Ambrose and Seth Rollins versus The Bar. Well, I fucking hate The Bar. The Bar. So, and, I, and I'm really holding out for that Shield reunion, so Ambrose and Seth Rollins. Yeah, Ambrose. Shield. I'm just going to write Shield because it's easier. So there's there's three picks that if they're right, we're wasted. If they're wrong, we're also wasted. I've Good. spelt it different next, in there you each go. column yep. there. Uh, next up is the big match that should be on a WrestleMania, but is on No Mercy instead. John Cena versus Roman Reigns. Cena. Reigns. I'm going to go Cena. Oh. oh. Roman Reigns. Just trying to find new ways to, you know, gender mahal and all them. And the main event is Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar. Go on, Daryl, come oh. on. You know what you want to say. You know what you don't want to say it, but you, you know what you want to say. Let's go Braun Strowman. Oh, there we go. Dan, who are you going for? I think Lesnar's retaining. I'm going to go for... Brock Lesnar. I'm going to stick with my. Uh, I think you're right. With my but... boy. No, I hope I'm wrong, though, because uh, I, yeah, Bra- I, I want Braun to win it. Yeah, I want Braun. He's not finished with the title yet. <laughs> He's never finished with the title. You mentioned. You do know they're going to do a shitty non finish on that, don't Probably, you? Probably, yeah. It's going to be somebody getting a spear through a barricade, yeah. isn't it? Oh. <laughs> Neither of them do the spear. Well, it don't, don't matter, does well, it? Roman Reigns just comes, <laughs> Roman Reigns to... comes down, does only the spear through the barricade, and walks back off. He Could has to that. top the. Uh, throwing tables and stuff on him from last month. So if they're going to do a match stoppage, it has to be better than that. Maybe it is no mercy. Yeah, but that was that was no cat no DQ and all that that match. So yeah. think about it, that was easier. Uh, yeah, it should it should be a good show. It's very weird that a lot of these <laughs> matches are happening at this show. Yeah, it's it's almost like they're trying to get people to watch these pay per views that have kind of been shit recently. Yeah, which I guess isn't. I mean, realistically, that's not a bad idea. But <laughs> yeah. the problem is then you throw in. Are you throwing away long-term for short-term gain? I don't know. 
Yeah, why Ro- not? I'm going to mention WCW on this episode. It's kind of like WCW. <laughs> Raw wasn't great, was it? No, well, well some of it looks shit. When you yeah. mean your show ends with the thing of the Miz has just attacked Jason Jordan, it's not exactly the most crowd pleasing ending. And I, I don't mean that people give a shit about Jason Jordan. I mean they really don't care about this angle. At Kurt all. Angle's child, though, isn't he? So you know, is he? No, oh. and everyone knows it. Everyone, <laughs> everyone knows it, Daryl. Everyone. What's the point of Jason Jordan? Uh, <laughs> to turn heel in six months or flounder forever. One of the two. Flounder forever. I think, I think we're probably floundering forever, aren't we? But don't worry, Chad Gable got himself another black man who's got a singlet on, so it's fine. <laughs> is that racist? I feel, it, I feel like it is a bit. Yeah, Smackdown, the land of opportunity and racism. Don't worry, he is, <laughs> he's basically the same. Are who, you allowed to do that? Because was it Michael Tarver that stood up in a... And he asked Vince a question, and he said, excellent question, Shelton. <laughs> <laughs> so... Like, does Vince just think every black man is Shelton Benjamin? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he's just he's just gone. They won't notice the difference. You got a lot lighter, when kid. It, what he does is, if they're skinny, they're Shelton. If they're fat, they're Mark Emery. Ah, uh, that's about right. Yeah. So he knows two black people. <laughs> yeah. So you know. Speaking yeah. speaking of racism, SmackDown happened. Well, yeah, let's go. Let's go into SmackDown. Yeah. So um, Jinder Mahal said some more racist things. Do you remember I told you last week that Jinder Mahal was doing? Sorry, Jinder Mahal was doing all racism and that. And he was like, oh, here's some racist jokes. Ah, oh, look at his funny eyes. And I'm not even kidding. I'm sure he mentioned his eyes at one point. And then he was like, oh, look, all his faces look the same. Oh. And then last week he was like, oh, all these comments are racist and you are all finding them funny, even though no one was laughing or reacting to him at all because he's a long since passed his sell-by date. And then this week he was like, oh, he always rooks the same. Fuck off. Yeah. I'm not kidding. Fuck off. Daryl hasn't seen SmackDown, everybody. <laughs> no, he did not yes, say Yes, he did. That. Really? 100% truth. Mate, they wouldn't have even been bothered about it, but they've not uploaded the videos to YouTube and stuff, and the Washington Post did a big news story about it on Wednesday morning because all the crowd was chanting, that's racist and that's too far, because they also referred to him saying fans say it, call him Mr. Miyagi. He called him Mr. Miyagi. Right. Uh, <laughs> I, I think whilst he called him Mr. Miyagi, the, uh, the Bollywood boys did the little crane kick pose. <laughs> that is funny though. that tickled you that didn't yeah, it because yeah. I just imagine them both just stood behind him doing it who would have thought the end of this whole like little thing with Jinder Mahal would be racism but not on the part of yeah it's kind of racist that keep bringing up Indian stuff no him being racist towards another culture uh, maybe, they're, maybe they're going look well, this is ethnically diverse look, look turns out other people can be racist too. Who knew? They're all racist. It's fine. That makes it okay. In two year times, he's going to be back in his fucking, like... No, 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 don't cut... Oh, don't, no, that's fine. Don't worry. Oh, <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah, um, it'll be just on, like, some shit indie shows in two years because he'll have taken the brunt of all this even though someone wrote that for him. Well, he still I mean, said it, though, didn't he? Yeah. And also, mm. let's not forget, this is Jinder Mahal, who, until recently, was, like, the worst member of 3MB. So... Whatever happens, he's still been WWE champion, so he's still winning away. He might be about to get Hassan, though. Yeah, but so's Jack Swagger, and he were in Norwich last week. Well, well, well don't, I mean, dis- don't diss Norwich. It's yeah, where don't, Pages I mean, family's from. Since he dissed Norwich, he dissed Pages family. Since his town centre was pedestrianised, it's been <laughs> nothing short of a top class. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's only 15 minutes from the uh, from the motorway. That's... I, I, I already stayed in a travel tavern because he flew into Heathrow. And he needed somewhere equidistant between 
London and Norwich. Yeah, that's that's what he wanted. Yeah. yeah. Linton, I think, was the Yeah. There you go. This is what we do. This is this is how we entertain ourselves. His little grief hole. It's a travel tavern. Yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah, gender my hole's racist. Who knew? There was another thing that happened on SmackDown. Yeah, what I, I I'm gonna bring it up because they keep doing it. I, I just like to hear you get annoyed about Dolph Ziggler Oh yeah, they're doing, doing this, this entrance uh, thing. You know what it's leading though, don't you? It's leading to this it's leading to food with Bobby Roode, isn't it? Yeah. Which he deserves better. So that's a shame, isn't it? It's it's almost like how this guy's kinda of hot coming from XD. I'd have called him down just a bit. Dolph's there. Did they do any more stuff with Zack Ryder and his mate? Oh, they were fine. They just teamed together. They uh, went against New Day. Last week, they, I thought they were finally doing the Zack Ryder turn that I've been calling for about six months. Yeah? Yeah, I tried to tell Zack, but he's blocked me on Twitter, so <laughs> I didn't. They, they just did a, you know... It, it was headlined by a women's match to decide the number one contender for uh, Hell in the Cell. Yeah, and Charlotte, Charlotte won. won. Because... Because uh, her dad's her, ill. Her dad's... Well... He's better now and he's not drinking anymore. Let's yeah, jump to he, that says, one. he says he's not going to drink anymore. I hope he doesn't drink anymore. But yeah, he, he did a big I thing mean, it with Ric Flair in it. With People Magazine, he did this interview with. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of a big thing. He's like, yeah, I'm never going to drink again. It's, you know, drinking might have caused this to me. Like, no yeah, shit, but how old mate. is he? He's probably not as old Infinite. as we think he is. <laughs> 60s? He's lived a lot. 60s? I think what? he's 60s, isn't he? Yeah. Right. In, like, his the damage th- is already done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, right was he in his late 30s in 92 when he won the rumble I, I think, think he was like 40 wasn't he yeah so like he must be sort of <laughs> mid 60s at least because that was about 25 years ago 68 years old yeah um just to address this by the way um you may have noticed that we're not talking about a very specific piece of wrestling news we will be coming to that that's our main topic for today but uh we're, we're coming oh, to that in a little yeah. while yeah um, but it's not the what culture thing. That's that's. Yeah. <laughs> are we allowed to talk about that? We are now because they don't exist, or they do exist, or they don't. Uh, yeah. So all the all the people that we hate from what culture got sacked or have resigned, depending on who you ask. Yeah, and the, the one of them posted a picture of like a five on uh, the Twitter account. I can't decide whether they're forming their own uh, tribute band to five. Yeah. Or going to work for Five Star. Did you see what it was I, actually... I think that um, they're going to be on Celebrity Big Brother, which is on Channel 5. I wish they were on Celebrity Big Brother. That'd be more interesting than anything they've done so far, because <laughs> I hate them all. Jack the Jobber. Ross the King. It's, it's kind Adam of Adam Blampied. Like, I know, w- I'm Adam, and I put... I bought... I Adam bloody Pachitti. He's the one who fucking... He bought a billboard. Bought dude. a billboard, £500, to get himself on fucking Lad Bible. Or whatever. I think it was last week or the week before we had this mention about um, like I've I went to the show in Sheffield and yeah. I feel like they've actually turned a corner now. But in terms like the shows they were putting on, they're getting really good. But at the same time, it's like how do you keep going on this? And I think they're actually starting a thing called cultaholics. Genuinely, cultaholics. Uh, no, I wish cultaholics. Oh. Cultaholics, which is a terrible name, and I don't. I've no interest in seeing any of them again. No. In terms no. of what culture, I'd hate to see a place that pays guys well and gives them regular bookings disappear. But we've seen this style of promotion before, and it's how we met. Yeah, one burns PW. bright, done it. I do not owe you money. Ah. There we go. Um, and it burns bright, but quickly, and it's that worry. Apparently, the owners are twat. I said apparently because I read it on Twitter, so I don't know if it's true. Yeah, so yeah I read me. someone was having uh, a go. A couple of people have said like when they wrote articles for them, these bit of a knob or something yeah. and then they uh, just want them to do top tens all the time 
Go but, back through Red Lightning's Twitter. I think Red Lightning posted a big story about him a while back. I mean, my only thing is, right, aside from any actual work issues, I don't know, but with the guy who said, oh, all he wanted me to do is to do top tens, you're writing for what culture? They'll be like going, oh, all BuzzFeed wanted me to do was to do photographs and a funny little comment. And you're writing for BuzzFeed. You're not, you're not a journalist. Don't <laughs> yeah. be telling me you're writing articles. You're not. If I were getting paid to write top tens, I wouldn't complain about it. Neither would I. Look, I mean, you can't... I agree, I wouldn't either, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not valid in wanting to do something different, but be aware of where you are, you know what yeah. I mean? You're not writing for The Observer or writing for, you know, you're not writing for a, for a high class, you're not writing for The Independent or something like that, you're writing for whatculture.com. Yeah. What do you expect? Uh, yeah. So is, is the wrestling done then? It's not been said yet. They've still got shows booked. They've got a show on October 5th, I think it is. It's coming up anyway, where they've got the Young Bucks versus War Machine, which is a match I actually quite wanted to see. I don't think it's weird that all five of the main ones left at the same time. Um, I, I, uh, no, because they're all like... They've all got that sort of idea that they're important and that, haven't they? One of them bought a billboard for himself to get a job. That's how important he thinks he is. It's like when radicals left WCW. Isn't it's it? a bit like that, except if all the radicals were shit. Which one's Benoit? <laughs> anyway, well, let's, go into, oh, this week. <laughs> <laughs> let's go into the other kind of WCW news. Blompier is an that. odd name, isn't it? You know what I mean? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> On that I'm note, saying. we will we will move over to <laughs> WWE. Have decided they're going to use some of the stuff they've bought from WCW all those years ago. One thing in particular, what it rings. Well, no, what they're doing, like you know, like when you like you you go visit your mum. I did this recently. You go visit your mum, and she's like, "Oh, you got some boxes still." Yeah, I like, went to visit your mum recently. See you, well. you unpack them. <laughs> got him. Yeah, nailed it. Yeah. Is that your phone going off, Graham? What? Nothing. No. <laughs> Don't know what you mean. I, I wish I could explain that joke further. Um, <laughs> you, you you go home, and she's like, "Oh, you got a box," and you think, "Oh, I can use this, and I can use that." And WB's done that with the box of WCW stuff, and. Starcade's coming back in November. Yeah, it's like a house show on a Saturday night. Yeah. In Greensboro. Which makes sense if you're going to put it anywhere. It's like and a stacked lineup, though. Guess who's it. annoyed about it? Go on. Uh, Kiss Cody, the ring. Cody and Brandy Rhodes. <laughs> right now, her being annoyed about it has annoyed me. Yeah. I'm like, what are you, you know nothing of Starcade. You know what I mean? Like, she she can someone, be annoyed about what she wants to be annoyed if, about. If, if, if this podcast like shut, if shut down and like next week someone... Uh, using the Royal Grumble name. And then, like, my wife was like, oh, you can't use that. I mean, like, she's not even involved. Go away. You know what I mean? <laughs> he wasn't even involved. It was his dad. So, yeah. You know, and he was like, oh, you can't have a Starcade without a Rhodes. I hope my brother's booked on it. And then Michael Hayes was like, all right, yeah, yeah, you can be. And uh, why don't you come as well? Are you coming? What? You're not coming? Oh. <laughs> Kiss the ring. Oh, look at me. I own all the things can that my I, dad did. Can I just say, right, just because his dad invented the name Starcade or the show Starcade or whatever he invented, doesn't matter, does it? No, WWE that, I mean, owns it. You don't hear Pat Patterson's kids complaining. You know what I mean? And he invented loads of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Why did he invent loads of stuff? 
You might hear Tamina complaining every time there's a murder on news. Uh, oh, all right. Okay, bloody <laughs> hell. There we go. Dude. I'm not saying I don't invent a murder. You said, well, you said, yeah, that implies that, Jim, <laughs> that implies they invented murder. He is dead, isn't he? We can slander him, can't yeah, we? Yeah, you can slander the dead. You can slander the dead. Oh, <laughs> he did a murder, didn't he? Oh, what a bad one. Here's the question just to finish off before we go to the second half of the show. Uh, if they're bringing Starcade back, what other WCW stuff do we want to see back? Because there's a triple cage in some warehouse somewhere. We talked about war games. <laughs> oh, I definitely want to see that. We talked about war games last week, didn't we? Judy Bagwell on a pole? No, not last week, two weeks ago. <laughs> Judy uh, Bagwell still knocking about? I mean, I mean, it's probably easier to put a corpse on a pole, isn't it? <laughs> she was on a forklift, wasn't she? Whatever. Yeah. Well, I was I mean, say, it's easier to, it's easy to forklift. I was going to say Halloween Havoc so we can combine those two ideas. And it uh, seems to work yeah, well. everyone wants Halloween Havoc back. Like, I'm not asked De- either way, but a lot of people want it. I can see why. Cool entranceways, that's what I miss. Yeah, it's got a little pumpkin thing. All right, on it, all it? right but you wouldn't get a cool entranceway. You'd yeah, get a video no. screen that's got a pumpkin on it. <laughs> that's what you'd get. That's the most accurate depiction. The ropes might be orange if you're lucky. Yeah. What about if they brought back Road Wild? Oh, we all I mean, want Road Wild, I mean, don't we? Are they all going to shout racist stuff? Because I don't think that's the kind of. <laughs> can you imagine the video thing of like Bray Wyatt on his hog, like driving up to the thing? and I can oh. imagine them lynching Shelton Benjamin. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Oh, <laughs> it seems weird to go from something like this. I know, yeah. I, I feel like we need some kind of bridging topic, which is mildly hilarious, but not like incredibly sensitive. Do we have what else happened this week? Did anything else happen? Did any? Did anything in Japan? Uh, oh yeah, it was the uh, second of the destruction shows. There you go. That happened. What happened on that? Uh, Zack Saber Junior. Failed to defeat Tanahashi in the main event. Uh, there was also a really good co-main event with Kushida versus Desperado. For Bloody the- hell, yeah. Zack Sabre Jr. What are you doing? It was an excellent match. Progress tickets are on sale, aren't they? Yeah, they, they've done very well. Yeah, go get them. I mean, they've got their own podcast, so we should be angry at them. And their owner <laughs> didn't reply to us when we asked for an interview. But, you know, it's fine. They're all right. They're a good bunch of lads. You know, they're all right. But How many tickets have they sold? Quite a lot. I mean, do you have a number? No. Oh. But they did a Q&A today and said they're not going to actually release the number yet. More than 40. So oh, cool. Definitely yep. that much. Anyway, yeah. More, more than LPW. <laughs> oh, what? You, you really want to mention them? <laughs> you really? Really? Like, we didn't mention them until now. You you opened that door. Uh, when did you sent, I know? When, you sent, when one of you sent a message to the group about LPW, you opened that door. But what? What? Did one of you send a message to... To what? What, to our private group? Yeah. We didn't mention... But yeah, but we're, that's out in public now, isn't it? You'll probably find it. <laughs> what do you mean? I don't know. Oh, dear. Right. Let's stop here before he... Before he like, it's like Candyman. Does he Man. still do free pies? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but only if you're a certain persuasion. You don't, you don't want them in. You know what I mean? Them. <laughs> Oh, this is getting too. Inside. I know. Do you know what we nearly on. we nearly got it back? Let's just let's just cut this to the chase, right? Uh, Bobby Heenan died this week. Um, very sad news. Not unexpected news because of obviously the situation for the last. Uh, well, I mean, it was seventeen been, years. Yeah, exactly. Years and years now. So, to, we thought we would celebrate his life, celebrate his career, and do a little bit of tribute. So, our first tribute episode. This is completely one hundred percent genuine. Don't worry. It's not. We're not going to daryl it up. Uh, Am I leaving room for this? No, no, you're going to behave yourself for this, I think. Right, Right, we're doing a tribute episode to Bobby Heenan, remembering some of the best times after this. (laughs) 
And we're back with the trivia episode to Bobby the Brain Heen. So, uh, Dan, you've got a fair amount of notes here. Uh, Daryl and I are going to sort of try and fill in as much as possible. <laughs> Obviously, there's... Well, I mean, where do you want to start? Um, I was going to start with the first time we all saw Bobby Heenan because like, I'm from the generation where he was more of a colour commentator. He wasn't really managing at the time and you guys came into it a lot later than that. Mm -hmm. So like the first time I saw him on TV, my first ever show was WrestleMania 9. Yep. And he came out to do commentary on the back of a camel, but backwards. <laughs> <laughs> screaming <laughs> just like they put him on the wrong way and just getting annoyed at everything <laughs> so macho man had just come out before him like carried by people and being fed grapes and stuff yeah and then bobby heenan follows him out on a camel backwards <laughs> and just from that moment you got a good idea of what type of character he was um when i was younger as well i always used to rent the wrestling challenge videos and stuff and eventually ended up just getting given them from my local video store because i was the only one renting all these videos continuously did you so i got to hear a lot of like when Bobby Heenan first started doing lots of color commentary and stuff. And I just really, really took to this guy who was just so silly and brilliant. Like for a young kid, like hearing this guy on commentary was just the best thing. It's funny, like, because, um, obviously he was a, he was a manager for years and years before yeah. that, before it's even in the WWF, but before that AWA, a whole bunch of places. And yeah, the main thing that a lot of people will think of him is, as a color commentator, but, it just shows that he was a sort of an all-round entertainer, wasn't he? Yeah. A lot of the tributes coming out to him about how he was one of the funniest guys like ever, like not just in wrestling. He was just this type of guy who should have been doing things outside of wrestling, but just never quite did it. Um, just, do you guys have like a first memory of him or? Well, I can tell you what my first memory of him, because he was on the first video that I ever bought which wasn't obviously it was 2001 wasn't it so the first yeah. time i saw bobby heenan was on wrestlemania 17 he was the yeah. color commentator for the gimmick battle royal <laughs> along with mean gene now i imagine i don't know how long monsoon had been dead by then monsoon died in 97 or 98 oh, so been dead for a while right okay because i was just thinking obviously if he'd still been around that's who they would have got to do the commentary yeah. rather than gene oakland but for some reason they chose to do gene oakland presumably because I guess that's the first time they'd have him back after WCW, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. and they they had a big like long history together. They were in AWA together, WWE together, WCW together. Yeah, but I mean, but I mean the the simple fact is that people know. Obviously, yeah. Gene Oakland wasn't generally a play by play guy. In fact, he's generally said to be quite a poor commentator, apparently. <laughs> but that wasn't the point of this. Bobby, <laughs> the first thing I remember about Bobby Heenan was first of all the the theme music that he came out to was just it's it's a throwback, isn't it? It's that sort of like that Tyver Carson esque yeah. music, yeah. Um, well, it was the Heyman theme... literally calls him the Johnny Carson of professional wrestling and says he was the greatest manager besides <laughs> me to ever perform in the business, which is a great line by Paul Heyman, by the way. But he comes out and yeah, I don't know if you're. This is what you're about to mention, but some of his lines are hilarious. <laughs> the Iron Sheik's walking to the ring, like stumbling to the ring because he's in a poor state. The Iron Sheik, by the way, if you don't, if you're not aware wins the gimmick battle royal at WrestleMania 17 because he told them on the day, oh, you know, I can't go over the top rope, right? And they were like, ah, that's really, he's like, no, seriously, medically, I can't go over the top rope. And so rather than having him just not be in the match, they decided to have him win the match, but actually had Slaughter come back in and get the heat back later. <laughs> 
because the Iron Sheik couldn't go out Such of the a ring. fucking carny always do a job. <laughs> I know. But anyway, he's wandering down to the ring because he's in this state with the Iranian flag or whatever. And Bobby Heenan says, by the time Iron Sheik gets to the ring, it'll be WrestleMania 38. This <laughs> <laughs> is great. It's a grand line. Uh, was your first time seeing Bobby Heenan and probably the same match? Or? No. Um, I first saw WrestleMania 10 from memory. But for some reason, something that my dad used to work with, I don't know if it was him or his kid, stopped liking wrestling. Mm. So he gave my dad like a few wrestling figures. This really cool casket that he made out of wood, actually. Not a life-size mm. one, the wrestling figures. And um, a random video of WrestleMania 8. Yeah. <laughs> so I not, I didn't, I didn't have a clue who he was. And it it, it, really, it, really, it wasn't really something that stuck out to me, but thinking back on it, he's on WrestleMania 8, so that would have been the first time I'd seen him. The first time I'd seen him, like, sort of as live. Probably would have been a random Nitro episode, but I don't remember it. Yeah. So it would be what Graham said, WrestleMania. Uh, but yeah, so I, but I did see WrestleMania 8 before I saw that WrestleMania. Even that one, at the end of that, giving Battle <laughs> Royale as well, even disregarding the great lines through, through the... It's, he says Repo Man repoed his own car last week, that sort of thing. Just a whole <laughs> bunch of great lines. But then at the end, they cut back to the two commentators and they're like, we're going to hand over to your normal broadcast team now and I want to thank you. And Bobby Heenan goes in for the handshake but then he scratches his nose, goes in for the handshake again, and then he, he just keeps... It's about five different ways, even all in 30 seconds, just of avoiding shaking Gene Oakland's hand, just winding him up completely. And yeah, it was just really sort of entertaining to begin with. And obviously, I didn't really have any clue who he was. I could suss out, I could determine from what the, uh, what the context was that he was an old commentator and that he was being involved. And this was obviously his return after WCW. Yeah. Um... But as we know, well, he's he was a huge part of the WWF before he left for WCW, as uh, as I think we, well, what do you want to go on and talk about in yeah. terms of that? Cause so I've got a list of just some of the like the highlights of so his career. Um, I want to start in AWA. Like, wow, okay. I, AWA is one of the company. It doesn't get like as much looking as like Jim Crockett and all that stuff does. It because it, it died out before a lot of us were even born or. Mm-hmm. Like it stopped being relevant by that point. But then Bobby Heenan was there at the same time as Hulk Hogan and Bean Gene and a few other guys. He was managing Nick Bockwinkle there. And it was like the first, I think it was the first like nationwide almost company he worked for. Yeah, I think so. Um, it was the birth of the Weasel Suit match in that company as well, I believe. Oh, it might have been just before in one of the smaller companies, but AWA was the place where you could see the Weasel Suit match most easily. So. Back in the days when he was feuding against the Bruiser, I think it was, or it was the Crusher. I can't remember which one was which at this moment. I think it was the Crusher. Yeah. Um, I only know that from a quote that he said. He said the Crusher was like the, ge- the goose that laid the golden egg. Yeah. And then Hogan came along and he laid bigger golden eggs. Yeah. <laughs> so um, he mentioned that Heenan was a weasel in an interview. And Heenan reacted perfectly saying, I'm not a weasel, which got the crowd chanting weasel at him. <laughs> and it carried on this thing that lasted his entire career where he'd accuse people of calling him a weasel when they didn't. Just to like, get the like, he'll be talking to Mean Gene in an interview when he's like, Did you just call me weasel? And like, <laughs> no, I didn't say, I didn't say anything about a weasel. Did you just said it again? And that whole thing. So they did the weasel suit match in AWA, which was the idea that Bobby Heenan, like, the thing with Bobby Heenan was he was a became a manager later. 
And that's what was one of the great things about him, that he wrestled like a manager and managed like a wrestler. Yeah. Um, so he'd have these matches occasionally, because one of the good things about Bob Raheen is that he always got his comeuppance. Yes. And the way to do it was these weasel suit matches. He did them in AWA, he did them in WWE. The whole gimmick was it was him versus whoever the top babyface was. In AWA, he had one of these matches against Greg Gagne, who they were really pushing at the time. Oh, God. And the idea is whoever loses gets put in a weasel suit, which, of course, Bobby lost every single time. Yeah. And you've probably seen the clips of this before, if you've ever seen the documentary about Bobby Heenan that's on the network or any of that stuff, where, so normally it involves him getting knocked out at the end of the match, mm-hmm. and then they'll put the weasel suit on him while he's knocked out, and then they'll leave him in the ring, and he'll slowly start stirring, and he'll get up, and he'll like come around a bit, and then he'll look at his hand that is now a paw, and start freaking out <laughs> just perfectly. Just flailing his limbs around, the, falling yeah. over the ring. It's the classic loser wears a dress spot, isn't it? Yeah. But hyped up to 11 with Bobby Heenan and a specific <laughs> suit that only he would wear. And he did this match as well against uh, the Ultimate Warrior later on. That was one he did in WWE or WWF at the time. Uh, the other notable thing with the AWA is it was the first time he was opposite Hulk Hogan. And that, was, that became a big deal throughout his career. Like he, he was with Nick Bockwinkle opposing Hulk Hogan at the time. And Hulk went to WWE. Bobby Heenan was one of the last guys to jump from AWA to WWE. And he was apparently, according to the AWA documentary, he was the only one who actually worked his notice. Wow, really? Yeah. Um, this that doesn't was surprise a, me. This was a big thing as well. Like He never talked shit about uh, Vern Gagne. And he never talked shit about Vince McMahon when he was in WCW either. Like, would never them or anything no i think you could argue for the second one wasn't that more because he didn't really want to leave and they basically they sort of forced him out yeah because like i mean they didn't but wcw came in with an offer that he couldn't refuse but he would mm-hmm. rather have refused it but like he couldn't afford to really yeah um but yeah he was never the type to sort of throw shit around was he yeah so he came into WWE. he originally managed jesse ventura but that didn't last long because jesse, jesse ventura got don't forget, Jesse Ventura's here. And then he massive. Nine Eleven was an inside job. <laughs> and then he managed uh, Big John Studd. I don't have an impression of Big John Studd. Yeah, sorry, I, I, I don't, don't even think... know what his voice sounds like. <laughs> uh, so here's more Jesse Ventura. But then ultimately, the I'm next a goddamn thing sexual tyrannosaur. <laughs> it was probably the biggest match Bobby Heenan was involved in. Was that uh, he managed Andre the Giant? in the WrestleMania 3 match against yes. Hulk Hogan. Very famous thing of, oh God, I want to say it was in the Pyphus Pit, was it? It was in one of these type things. Yeah, I Pipers genuinely Pit. don't know. Yeah. With Heaton and coming out with Andre the Giant after Andre the Giant. So basically, the way the, I don't know if you're, if, if you're not aware, the way the WrestleMania 3 angle started was Hogan got given a trophy for being undefeated for five years as World Wrestling Federation champion. And then Andre the Giant got given a smaller trophy for going undefeated in the WWF for 15 years. And he was like, you know, that's, that's bollocks or whatever. And then he broke break Hogan's trophy. I, either he broke his trophy or broke Hogan's trophy. Mm. And he storms off. And the next time like Hogan's talking about him, he's like, oh, I, I don't know what's happened to Andre. I don't know why he's upset. And then Andre shows up on the Piper's Pit with Bobby the Brain. And obviously yeah. we know that the Brain hates Hogan and there's yeah, this that was the thing that came from AWA all like time he was in WWE he hated Hogan and he was always putting people to go up against Hogan is that the angle where Andre like drags his chain off yes it's where he broke the crucifix yeah importantly it's a crucifix <laughs> apparently completely by accident he was supposed to just like rip his shirt but he broke the crucifix more to the point 
and like that was a big deal. You're laughing, and you made ninety three thousand people apparently. <laughs> I just think it's funny that people got mad over that. Yeah. Well, so there's that great image from like so the WrestleMania match happened. Um, obviously Hulk Hogan body slammed the. How much does Andre weigh now? Uh, it depends. If you like, ask Hogan, he weighs yeah. more than Jupiter. Yeah, because I think he's I think he's in he's over a ton now. Yeah, and he in, died uh, instantly upon impact. Yeah. Um, but there's a really great After image Hulk Hogan as well. invented water. Like one of the other things about Heenan was he, he always reacted very well to things. And there's a great image at the end of WrestleMania as they're being going away on the cart that looks like a little tiny ring, and Andre's there like with his head in his hands, and Heenan's like pointing back at the ring, just angry with his head, like just absolutely flabbergasted. It's such a great visual at the end of that match where Andre's been defeated and Heenan's <laughs> failed again to take down Hulkamania. He had his Heenan family, didn't he? Was that Arndorf and a bunch of other people at yeah. one point? Was he involved at the first WrestleMania? He was managing Big John Studd at the time against Andre the Giant in the $15,000 Body Slam Challenge. There we go. That's what I remember. Yep. So it wasn't involved with Hogan, but he was involved, obviously, with the old Heenan family and all that. There were a whole bunch yeah. of people in Heenan family at one point. Yeah, um, he managed quite... I think we're in here. Yeah, yeah. Rick yeah. was a big Rick one he managed. Um, he helped Rick Rude become the first person to defeat the Ultimate Warrior, I believe. Might have done. Actually, Mr. Perfect were in it as well, were they? Yeah, I, I need to tell this. My favourite Bobby Heenan story, I've got to jump on it now while we talk about Andre and I've mentioned the Ultimate Warrior. Uh, Bobby Heenan tells this really great story about when the Ultimate Warrior first came to WWE because he didn't like Warrior that much, <laughs> surprisingly. And uh, they put him with Andre so he could learn to work. Andre loved to do the spot where he'd get hit and then fall back into the ropes and get his arms tied up in the ropes. So he just said to Alt Warrior, you know, just hit me, I'll I'll tumble back, it's fine. So Heenan's ringside, first night, Warrior comes in, 100 mile an hour, bang, Club, clobbers Andre, Andre falls back, Heenan just hears him go, hmm. Uh. Second night, 120 mile per hour, bang, hmm. Third night, Warrior comes in, 150 mile per hour, Andre puts his fist up. <laughs> Warrior runs straight into his fist, gets knocked silly, cracks his paint. <laughs> Next night, 20 mile per hour. <laughs> do, 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 do. Hit. Andre, nice, back into the ropes, turns around to Heenan and goes, he's learning. <laughs> it's my favourite Heenan story. Like that and uh, the story of a guy who threw a penny at him on one of his shirts, uh, threw like a coin or something at him and busted his head open at the back. Right. So this is back in the days when, um, so wrestling was like still protected and everything. This is bef way before he was in WWE. So he was back. He was managing on the show, and someone threw some at the back of his head and cracked his head open. At the well, back. Hit his head. Yeah, hit okay. his head. So the police managed to see the guy and drag him backstage. And what they used to do to those guys is let the wrestlers at them. So I can't remember who was with him, but the person. So they get him up against the wall and they go to Heenan. Do you want to take a shot at him? So Heenan gets ready to clock him in the face, and the guy who's with Heenan punches him in the stomach first. So he doubles over, and Heenan just punches the wall straight off. And Heenan's there, <laughs> like grabbing his hand, shouting at the police, get this guy away from me before he kills me. <laughs> <laughs> She's just another, like one of my other favourite Heenan stories. Um, the next thing I want to go on to, because um, it was in 83, I think it was, when he broke his neck in a match against Anita, who yes. recently who was retiring this year, which is mental to think that that time span exists. But he never really got it sorted. So uh, just, just to interrupt you, but in, in the timeline of his career... Mm. Where's eighty three? What is he uh, AWA? Yeah, he was. This is just before WWF. So is he? I know he said it's in a match, but like, yeah. is he a full time wrestler at this point? Or? Uh, no, he was managing, but doing the occasional match, like to 
for guys to get the heat back on him type okay. thing. Uh, so he broke his neck in that match, but he never really got it resolved. So it led to, in the early 90s, him having to step back and do colour commentary instead. Before that, he got to manage Ric Flair briefly. And he was the guy who brought Ric Flair into the WWF. And well, it's so funny. Like These days, you would never, you would never put them together. Yeah. Because you, and it's similar to the thing with Nick Bockwinkel, as you mentioned before. You would never put them together because they can both talk. So why did they all need to be together? But back then, it was like, well, this is a natural fit. Yeah. So and he's it makes like, sense. he's a main event manager. And to have that guy attached to you pulls you up to the main <laughs> event and shows you you're a big deal. Yeah. Whereas now, not that you needed that with Ric Flair anyway. Yeah. Whereas now it's put a mouthpiece on the guy. It's almost like we know Brock can talk, but Heyman can talk for him. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's not the not, same not the thing. Same, yeah. Brock's Brock can talk, but it, you just don't when they that. no when they script him, he's shit. <laughs> when he just sits with a camera in front of him and he's just like <laughs> he goes off on one and then he's good. Yeah, we saw that when when he were in ring and he was stumbling over his lines. In fact, it's the famous one where he went backstage and said to Vince, "You need to call Paul." Yeah, yeah. like <laughs> that. That's you, you just know Brock Lesnar's not as good as we think he is at yeah. talking. So um. He introduced Ric Flair by bringing out the WCW title or the NWA title, whichever one it, it was, the NWA title, and saying this is the real world champion championship and the real world champions come in and eventually introducing Ric Flair. He didn't get to manage him that long because his injuries caught up with him and Mr. Perfect took over at that point. A modern comparison, sorry, would be Paul Heyman and CM Punk. Yes. I think. Yeah, that'd be the better one. In terms of talking ability, putting yeah. them together. So um, this led to colour commentary. And one Do you of the- think they put like, Curtis Axel with them because they thought it would make him like Kurt Hennig. Maybe. Yeah. That might be Vince's that didn't work, did it? logic. Is that well? Remember, remember like you had uh, Heenan with Flair and then they had uh, Hennig with them, didn't they? So what we'll do is we'll get we'll get Heenan and we'll get Heyman and we'll get Punk and throw a Hennig in there. Go for it. He's <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> Curtis, can you do the towel thing that your dad could do? And he just can't. No. <laughs> he just can't do it. <laughs> He's got an irrational fear of towels now from practicing. <laughs> Why am I not as good as you, Daddy? So this goes on to Heenan. He'd, he'd been doing some colour commentary at this point. This is where he took on colour commentary first time. And the most notable thing of his colour commentary is his partnership with Gorilla Monsoon. And if anyone's ever seen clips of Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan together, you know already. If you haven't, please go and watch footage of these two. Well, I mean, there was They're plenty amazing. on Raw already. Like... So they used to host Wrestling Challenge together. And some of the amazing stuff they did, because they'd shoot like, studio footage of those two at a desk introducing matches from they've taped around the country. And then they do out-of-studio episodes occasionally. Like before WrestleMania 4, they went to Trump Plaza, because that's where the show was held. And it was Bobby Heenan like uh, getting annoyed because his room wasn't ready. He, he apparently booked out the whole like floor of penthouses, and they, they're like, "No, we haven't got a booking for you, Mister Heenan." And then Grill Monsoon just says, "Oh, you can stay in my roll away in my house, in my hotel room." They did a lot of stuff, and they had a really great chemistry together. And it was just absolutely amazing to listen to because I feel like something's missing from WWE nowadays, where it's it's hosts that. I know this has been mentioned about old wrestling a lot of times before. You had hosts that were kind of like the guy who was like, "Oh, hi, welcome in, grab yourself a seat." That type of that type of host. Whereas now we've just got, you know, you make it sound people. like it's someone with a book at the fire with a with a. That's fire. what it felt like. Oh, hi! I didn't hear I didn't hear you come in. That's what it felt like. Welcome like, to the wrestling. <laughs> Grillamon seems the guy who was doing that, and then Bobby Heenan's the guy wisecracking it aside like you look like an idiot. 
and it was just such a wonderful partnership and I think it was benefited by the fact that they were such good friends as well. Yeah, they were amazing friends. And even up to, uh, I'll, I'm jumping to when he left the WBF, uh, they wanted to give him a nice send off. And he was like, no, Gorilla <laughs> should throw me out of the building. Yeah. That's, how, that's why he left Raw the way he did, where he was insisting, don't give me a nice send off. I'm, I'm a bad person. Gorilla Monsoon needs to come out and say he's had enough of me and throw me out of the building. <laughs> Which leads to that amazing clip. Like, go watch the last episode of Rory was on as well, where Gorilla Monsoon comes out, grabs him by the scruff of his collar, and drags him out and throws his bag out. And Heenan's just stood there in the cold, picking up toilet rolls. <laughs> Doesn't he then try and get in later on? Oh, that was the first episode of Raw. He wasn't booked on it, so instead it's him trying to sneak into the building. There we go. Just as a rabbi, as yep. a woman. <laughs> just all this great comedy stuff. The other thing with the Gorilla Monsoon thing is they were so good together that Vince McMahon was like, well, there's something with Heenan. We need to give him his own show. So they did a thing for a little brief period called the Bobby Heenan Show. Uh-huh. And it was, so Wrestling Challenge was on for two hours on the USA Network, and Vince didn't tell the USA Network he was doing this, but he was knocking Wrestling Challenge down to an hour and a half, so the last half hour could be the Bobby Heenan Show, right. which is a variety show with Lord Alfred Hayes as his um, like announcer guy. He had a, another kid with him, to be like the sidekick and then he had these three large women who had been part of him and monsoon's gimmick quite a lot as the comedy figures on the show and it was it was a variety show with bobby heenan hosting it and how did usa react to that uh not well actually because the ratings dropped during those segments and it's really sad because Heenan was perfect it was kind of one of these it was a vince idea where it was like you know what would be great if bobby had his own chat show and they just jumped at it and did it without really thinking it through and what he was best at was sat there with Gorilla Monsoon. I think there's a specific thing, just to jump back to Flair for a minute, there's a specific thing that we have really have to mention in terms of Bobby Heenan. We've talked about him as a color commentator. We've talked mm. about him, his relationship with Ric Flair. It's often cited as the best Royal Rumble in history. Yeah. Um, probably because of him, it's the 1992 Royal Rumble where he's on yeah. commentary. Heenan doing the best sell job ever. Was it Heenan who went to Vince before the match as well and said Flair should be number one? And Vince said, uh, he can't be number one because no one would believe someone coming in at number one and winning. Because they did that two years later, or three years later with Shawn Michaels. Yeah. But, um, at yeah, the, the, time, re- the real greatest wrestler of all time. <laughs> <laughs> he said, is he still drinking now, Shawn Michaels? I bet he is. Probably. Yeah. Like, Jesus doesn't stop you from yeah, drinking. He prays though, doesn't he? I, I always remember the promo we we'll did with CM Punk. Wine. Where he's like, we're, we're the same, we don't drink, we don't do drugs, and Punk just goes, anymore. That's <laughs> <laughs> the best thing. Anyway, uh, so Flair comes in at number three. Sean Michaels has the same amount of significant strikes as CM Punk in the UFC. Don't <laughs> yeah, <forget that>. <laughs> <laughs> I think Undertaker might have Marcus. Didn't he like at least raise his hand once in that interview with Brock Lesnar? Did he fuck raise his hand at Brock Lesnar? <laughs> right. Yeah. That, yeah. No. He, he, no, he, he, didn't. he kept his hands firmly by his side. And, oh, if you still want to go, you want to do go. it? Yeah. That's what yeah. I said. Yeah, and what they did it. And Brock Lesnar fucking beat him, and everybody cried about it. We were in a, we were in a fucking bar, and they left. <laughs> People left. Anyway, Rumble '92. It's fake. Um, Heenan he oh, spoilers. Heenan makes Flair's run in this Rumble. Yeah, it's it not fair like, to Flair. It shows like how good Heenan was as a color guy. He did this again later in his career in WCW, but we'll talk a bit more about things. I want to go into WCW briefly before we close up. Um, yeah, this Rumble match is the Heenan, like, everyone, like, we all remember him for his funny stories and everything. This was the match where he was just, like, 
so biased towards Flair and cheering him on. He says as much at the start. He says, I, I can't be biased and I can't be unbiased in this. Yeah. Which is amusing in itself because we know he's never unbiased anyway, <laughs> but he actually openly says it. He's like, I can't be unbiased in this match. And he's cheering at the end of the match when <laughs> Flair finally does it. And well, him just... and Hennig are there with that great Flair promo. Yeah. With the blood down his face as, you know, with every Flair promo. <laughs> does he have blood down his face? Actually, he might not do. No, he's definitely got a tear in his eye, though. He definitely has a tear in his eye. This is the greatest moment in my life. And Heenan and Hennig are there popping champagne with cigars and everything behind them. Cracking. Yeah. Uh, there was one more great commentary job he did in WWE before leaving, uh, which was one I mentioned to you previously. Survivor Series 93. Yeah, Daryl, you'll especially enjoy this because yeah. of who it targets. <laughs> So the match is the Hart family versus Shawn Michaels and his knights. It was supposed to be Jerry Lawler and his knights. Why was it not Jerry Lawler and his knights? We talked about this very early in the podcast. <laughs> like, we did. Maybe like entrant five or six. It's like... one of the classic ones coming up on YouTube. So oh, okay, I uploaded yeah. it the other day. So, so yeah, uh, Bobby. Uh... It's called Allegedly. <laughs> yeah. Jerry Lawler had been accused of doing something not very nice to a girl not very of age. Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, so they replaced him He's with Shawn dead, Michaels yeah. in the match. He yeah. did die on the air, but we, yeah, we can't slander him. He didn't stay dead. That's no. the problem. So, so the that's match. A problem. There were a brief window of opportunity there where we could have slandered him. Well, whilst he was like, you know, sucking air, coming like, oh, no, no. <laughs> so anyway, this match has the whole Hart family there. Um, it's well, Bruce Brett there. Owen, Bruce, and. Did you just Ross? ask if Bruce was. Bruce would be there anyway yeah. in his sunglasses. <laughs> but Stu Hart, is, Stu Hart is the corner man for them. And the whole match is Bobby Heenan ripping the fuck out of Stu Hart and the Hart family non-stop. It's a one-man roast. Also, earlier in this show, is there's a really great little bit where um, they're talking about another match. And Bobby Heenan, with no problem whatsoever, because they're talking about Bastion and Booger, goes, I pick Booger. And Vince McMahon like, starts talking and then stops and realizes what Bobby Heenan's just said on the air. He's <laughs> like, wait, what did you say? This is a family show. He's like, I was just saying my pick for the match. I picked Bastion Booger. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Vincent Man's staring at him, waiting for him to say something else, and he's just sat there smiling to himself. But uh, this match, uh, one of the best comments is actually um, aimed at Bruce, where he says, Bruce is such a dumb name. Imagine having nine months and Vesh can come up with his Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's that for the entire match. Him just, there's a bit where, because um, Hel- Helen Hart is sat behind them, and Vince is like, oh, um, Helen sat behind you. She might get Stu to come over. He's like, oh, I'll only have about 18 hours to get away. <laughs> and just, it's, it, it's so good uh, Matthew Bocciamania just posted a video called Heenan is a Hero and it's just the highlights of that match with Heenan's commentary uh, go watch it it's amazing so after that he left for WCW and it wasn't the happiest time for him he said in interviews afterwards he didn't really appreciate it. like he didn't like the company that much the way they did things was unprofessional and he got put in situations including the one with uh, Brian Pillman where his neck injury was still bothered. He just had surgery on his neck and Brian Pillman grabbed him from behind. He didn't see him coming. And on air, he said, get the fuck off me and stormed off, but then started working again and came back. Um, he joked about that later on, thankfully. <laughs> but the, one of the best things he did in WCW was he was a big part in Bill Goldberg getting over. Because like you mentioned earlier about the Crusher and Hogan, he, re- he realized the importance of a top babyface. And whenever anyone mentioned about beating Goldberg, he'd get really angry with them backstage. And it's like, why do you need to beat Goldberg? Like, you don't need to beat him. Like, Hogan didn't lose for five years in WWE. Like, he did one shitty finish, and then he finally got pinned, like, five or six years later. Like, you don't need to beat him. Like, what's his big deal? Because he knew the moment you beat Goldberg, it's done. 
Like if he gets beat in like in convincing fashion, that's it. So he'd argue about it and he'd sell him so well. Like he'd put over every big move and everything he did in the ring. It was like the flair thing. His commentary is what helped make Goldberg such a big success. So much that uh, the night of Starcade 98, when Goldberg was finally defeated, he was in a car with uh, Mike Tenay and Tony Schiavone. And he turned around and said, we're done. That's it now. This company is like, he goes, it might, it won't be tomorrow. It won't be next week. But this company's on its way down now. And Mike Tenay agreed with him, saying, like, you, you're probably right. Like, we shouldn't have beat Goldberg. Tony Schiavone turns around, nah, you, <laughs> you guys are just being a fear. Like, we're going to be fine, you know. We're doing really well at the moment. But he didn't recognize that. And that was the big part of all this. Like, as great as he was as an entertainer and everything, he understood everything that worked about and the he business. Was, and he was wrong, because the night after they did the finger pug of doom, and everyone knows that worked out <laughs> well for everyone. So, oh, it was a bit of a... Yeah. So yeah, Wait, it, well he's st- when when Goldberg wins the title, he's the one who's sort of calling it. Yeah, really. Like Shivani obviously gets excited, and it's Heenan's voice that you hear. He goes something along the lines of, uh, "The first ever undefeated man to hold the title and have a record of 107, 108. Who cares? There's zero on the other side, and we've got a new world <laughs> champion. And obviously, added bonus that Heenan hated Hogan, and he could Hogan, and Hogan's <laughs> like, obviously the heel who lost. So like that's an yeah. extra bonus in there. I'm glad you mentioned Hogan. Where do you stand on Bash at the Beach '96, where Hogan's coming down to the ring and he says, "But which side is he on?" I'll level with you, right? I hate it, uh, partly because I've only ever watched it out of context. So I watch it back and I'm like, "Well, that that telegraphs it for me." I can understand why other people mm. say, "No, it didn't," because he and hate Hogan. But in my head, right, we know Heenan hates Hogan. Yeah. It, it would have worked better in my head if he's going, this is the first time I've ever been pleased to see Hulk Hogan, ever. <laughs> yeah. And then he took, like, it's not a huge deal. It all went down fine anyway. Mm. You know, if we're going to, if you're going to ask me my direct opinion about that, I think it's a bad call. It's that but, thing as well that apparently on commentary they didn't know that Hogan was the guy. Yeah. So Heenan was just doing what he always did and bitching about Hogan. I mean, you could have bitched. Yeah. It. I mean, the thing is, the thing is, it's a comment he chooses. He could have bitched about, about Hogan in another way. Maybe it was the one time his instincts got it wrong. Yeah. Because there was other times where apparently he was ringside for matches where he didn't know the finish and he still reacted perfectly to it and stuff. There's some great stories on Wrestling Observer this week about it. And yeah, there's lots of stuff. Um, let's jump. Let's talk about what the more recent stuff with Bobby Heenan was. Uh, in 2000, he was diagnosed with throat cancer. And. He got in remission in 2004, but he'd had two surgeries at that time and it changed how his voice sounded. And it was really weird to see him because he'd lost a lot of weight and he, he sounded different, but he was still the great. And I watched the Hall of Fame speech and it's so perfect. <laughs> like his Hall of Fame speech is just amazing. And the moment at the end where he says like, the one thing is I wish Gorilla was here. I wish Monsoon was here. Yeah. yeah like, that's a, yeah very an, poignant moment. That Yeah. Absolutely. Um, his health hasn't been great. It deteriorated over the past 17 years, really. He, he turned be- up in TNA for one night. Do you remember that? Yeah, he, he had that weird little thing in TNA. Do you remember, um, do you remember what it was, though? I think it was actually, uh, he may have been in TNA a little bit more, but he, the last time I saw him on TV was he was in TNA when Bobby Roode was picking a manager, when he was turning into Robert Roode. Okay. Um, and, he was wearing, and he was picking a manager, and he was one of the managers he chose. And then I think it turned out he chose Tracy Brooks. Yeah. So. <laughs> right. I, he probably didn't want to take the gig, but like, 
But like, I mean, in, the, in, in, in booking logic, why would anybody pick? Well, I know, right? I could see why you'd pick Tracy Brooks over Bobby Heenan. She's got um, huge ability to make sure that you win a match. <laughs> She's got two huge personalities, <laughs> and uh, but other than that, why I would think you... that was the way they did it. Actually, it? yeah, because right. like he had a whole bunch of legendary managers come in, and one of them was Bobby <laughs> Heenan, and then he said, "I'll oh, pick my manager," and it's. Tracy Brooks, who just happens to be on the payroll and is here every week. Not all these other people you brought in for a one shot. But that was the last time I saw him on TV anyway. He uh, also made some appearances of Ring of Honor because he did free shoot interviews with Jim Cornette that are all amazing. It's just them telling stories and stuff. He was in a match where he managed Colt Cabana and Jimmy Jacobs against Roderick Strong and Jack Evans, who were managed by Jim Cornette. Bloody hell. Yeah, um, so he made one or two appearances for Ring of Honor. Um, he also, the last few years... Like even with his health deteriorating, he's not even been able to speak recent, like the last year or so. And he made an appeal. He actually flew over to England and did a comic con over here a few months ago, where one of our listeners got to meet him. Uh, shout out to Paul there because uh, I, I wanted, I really wanted to join him on that trip to get to meet Bobby Heenan, and I, I'm even more gutted that I didn't now. Yeah. Um, it's really like obviously it's really sad what happened to him in the later years, but. I think he's going to be remembered as probably the greatest wrestling manager of all time. I think, yeah, definitely. I mean, people can make arguments this way, that way. There, there are other people who did similar jobs, but uh, for me, yeah, he probably is the greatest wrestling manager of all time. It's sorry. Can we? Can if, if we don't got anything planned next week? Can we do a list of good good wrestling managers? Do have to be like a top ten necessarily? Can we just talk about good wrestling managers yeah. next week? Boots, lads. Well, yeah. we've got us number one here already. Well, yeah, yeah. So that's why we're not going to do a list because we don't want number the one. Best, is. The best of the rest of wrestling managers. We can still mention some good Bobby Eden shit, yeah. but we've kind of done a full show on him. So, like, we we'll do some good wrestling managers next week. Yeah. Um, if I were you, I'd go out and watch as much Bobby Heenan as possible. I've been watching tons this week, and even like the past few weeks, someone's been uploading the shoots with Jim Cornette and stuff, and I've been watching those. That, like on my dinner out work and stuff like that. And this week's given me a good excuse to go back and watch everything. It's, it was amazing. And why don't you recommend something to us that's not Royal Rumble or not that Survivor Series that you spoke about? I'd go back and watch some of the wrestling challenges he did with Grill Monsoon just for his like little things in between. There's some like best of videos on YouTube where you get to see um, like little clips of like odd bits. Just watch episodes of Wrestling Challenge and fast forward through some of the shit matches and just watch him and Gorilla. Uh, also, um, is the Heenan documentary on the network? By the, the Heenan way? documentary is also on the network. What's it called? Like, is it I can't remember the name. Bobby of the it Brain. Now. We haven't even mentioned the fact that it was called Bobby the Brain, by the yeah, way. Which Bobby the Brain Heenan. Bobby the Brain Heenan. <laughs> like, there's only two wrestling manager documentaries. One of them is Paul Heyman, and that doesn't even really count because he was only ECW for a bit. Yeah. And the other one's Bob Bobby Heenan. I think. Yeah, I think it's difficult to do. Do a minute, really. Well, that if anything, that yeah. says more about the man. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just watch as much as you can. Like the documentary is a good starting point, and just find some bits from there. Worth doing, absolutely. Yeah. Right, that's it for the Royal Grumble for this week. Uh, don't forget to go to Facebook.com/slash Royal Grumble. Find us on Twitter at Royal Grumble Pod. Leave us a review on iTunes. Give us five stars. That's all we've got to say. Watch the shit on YouTube. Watch the stuff on YouTube. Yep. Go to the and, YouTube uh, channel. Next week we're doing good wrestling managers that aren't Bobby Heenan because he's the best. There you go. Right, that's it. Say goodbye, Daryl. Goodbye, Daryl. Thank you, bye, Dan. Bye. Bye for now. <laughs>